السلام عليكم ورحمه الله After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz, and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, Ayyadahullahu Ta'ala bin Nasr al-Aziz stated that in continuation of the accounts of the Badri companions, i.e. those companions who took part in the Battle of Badr, the first companion that I will mention today is Hazrat Utbah bin Mas'ud Huzali, Radallahu Ta'ala Anhu. The title of Hazrat Utbah bin Mas'ud Huzali ta'ala anhu, was Abu Abdullah and he belonged to the tribe of Banu Makhzum. Hazrat Utbah bin Mas'ud ta'ala anhu, was a confederate of the tribe of Banu Zuhra. His father was Mas'ud bin Ghafil and his mother's name was Umm Abd bint Abdewud. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud ta'ala anhu, was his brother. Hazrat Utbah bin Saud radiyallahu ta'ala anhu was also among the first converts to Islam in Mecca and he was among those who participated in the second migration to Abyssinia. Hazrat Utbah bin Mas'ud radiyallahu ta'ala anhu was also among the ashab suf With reference to various historical sources, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib ta'ala anhu has written the following details with regards to the people of a Sufa. He writes, To one corner of the mosque, a veranda was built, which was referred to as Sufa. This was for those destitute muhajideen who were homeless. And these people would stay here and were known as the Ashab Sufa. As such, they would remain in the company of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, day and night perform worship, and recite the Holy Qur'an. These people possess no means of permanent subsistence, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would take care of them personally, and whenever the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would receive a gift, etc., or there was something available at home, he would especially separate their share. As a matter of fact, at times, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would himself starve, and send whatever was in his home to the Ashab Sufa. Similarly, the Ansar would also remain engaged in the hospitality in as much as possible, and would often attach clusters of dates within the mosque. However, despite all this, they continued to live in a state of adversity, and would often reach a state of starvation.
This state continued for many years until some found work due to the expansion of Medina and others began receiving support from the National Batul Mal, i.e. the Treasury. Moreover, we find the following details about these people in another source, in which it states that these people would remain present at the house of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, during the day, and would listen to the ahadith, i.e. the traditions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. During the night they would remain on the veranda. A veranda is called Sufa in the Arabic language. Hence, these saintly men were referred to as Ashab al-Sufa, i.e. the people of Sufa. None of them ever possessed two pieces of clothes at one time, so that one could cover the upper body and the other piece of cloth to cover the lower body. In fact, they would tie a piece of garment to their necks in a way that it would hang down to their thighs, and they did not possess enough clothes to cover the entire body. Hazrat Abu Hurairah was also one of the saintly men, and he narrates that I saw seventy men from among the Ashab Sufa whose clothes would not even reach their thighs and when they used to cover themselves, the cloth would hardly reach down to the knees. Initially, their source of income was that a group of them would go to the forest during the day, collect some firewood, sell it and then acquire some food for their brothers. And most of them would break the branches of palm trees and hang them onto the roof of the mosque. Whenever people used to come from outside and see them, they used to think that these people are perhaps mad and sane, for they are sitting here without any reason. Or they would probably used to think that these people are so madly in love with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that they do not wish to leave his threshold. In any case, if the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, received some sadaqah, i.e. charity from anywhere, he would send it to them, and if the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, received any food, he would invite them and would sit down with them and eat together. It so often happened that in the evenings, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would sign the Muhajireen and the Ansar to take one or two individuals from among the Ahl Sufa and feed them according to their own capacity. Thus, at times such occasions arose that some of them were sent with the Muhajireen and others were sent with the Ansar so that they may provide them with an evening meal. Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah was a very generous and wealthy companion and at times he would take 80 guests with him. He was so wealthy that he would take up to 80 guests with him at night and feed them. And according to various narrations, the numbers of the Yasufa varied at different times. It is said that there were at least 12 and it is also reported that at one point there were 300 individuals who stayed at Sufa. In fact, in one narration, their total number has been mentioned to be 600 companions. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had great love for them. He would sit with them in the mosque, eat with them, and would encourage others to honour and respect them. Thus, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, did not allow anyone to disrespect or dishonour them simply because they would not do anything else, but just sit there the whole time. In fact, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, used to say that these people simply remain sat there only to listen to his words. Therefore, everyone should honour and respect them in the correct manner. Once, during the sitting of a congregation of the Ahl Sufa in the presence of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, a complaint was made that the dates have adversely affected their stomach. That is, they only receive dates to eat and do not get anything else. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, heard the complaint, and in order to console them, he delivered a speech saying, that what is it that I am hearing that the dates have had an adverse effect on your stomachs? Are you not aware of the fact that dates are the very nourishment of the people of Medina, and that people support us through these, and also support you through these. Following this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, that by God, smoke has not risen in the house of the Prophet of God 
for a month or two. That is, that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and also his family only lived on water and dates. In any case, these Ahl-e-Sufa were astonishingly devoted people, in that even though they mentioned and complained about eating dates, and that it had adversely affected their stomachs, but despite this they did not leave. They continued to remain seated there with complete devotion, and would either remain hungry, or suffice by eating dates or whatever they were given. It is then further written that at night these noble individuals would usually be occupied in worship and recite the Holy Qur'an. And a Mu'allim, a religious teacher, had been appointed for them and they would go to him at night and recite the Holy Qur'an. Those who could not read or were unable to recite the Holy Qur'an correctly or those who wished to memorize it would be taught at night by the moon. And owing to this, most of them were called Qaris, i.e. those who can recite the Holy Qur'an. And if people were to be sent anywhere for the propagation of Islam, then these very individuals, i.e. the Ashab al-Sufa, would be sent. Thus, once they had been well versed in the Holy Qur'an, they were called Qaris, and were also sent in order to teach others. Later on, many of these companions were appointed to many important offices, meaning that the Ashab al-Sufa did not continue to remain sat there. In fact, they were appointed to important offices. Hence, Hazrat Abu Hurairah served as the governor of Bahrain during the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar And during the period of Hazrat Muawiyah, he served as the governor of Dina and Hazrat Saab bin Abi Waqas served as the governor of Basra and he laid the foundation of the city of Kufa as well. Hazrat Salman Farsi served as the governor of Madain and Hazrat Ammar bin Yasir also served as the governor of Kufa. All of these companions were among the Ashab al-Sufa. Moreover, Hazrat Abada bin Jarrah served as the governor of Palestine and Hazrat Anas bin Malik served as the governor of Medina during the period of Hazrat Umar bin Abdul Aziz. There was also a commander among these very individuals who played a significant role in the Islamic conquests. And Hazrat Zaid bin Sabit was not only a great commander but was also appointed the supreme judge during the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Then Hazrat Abu Sayyid Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that I sat down in the congregation of the poor Muhajireen, meaning he went and sat among the congregation of Sahab Sufa, who were concealing their private parts from each other due to a lack of clothing. Almost half of their body was not covered with any clothes. He continues to narrate that Aqari, i.e. reciter of the Holy Qur'an amongst us was reciting the Holy Qur'an and the Holy Prophet peace be upon him arrived. Laqari stopped the recitation as the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stood by. Thereafter, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said Salam, i.e., conveyed the greetings of peace, and inquired, That what are you all doing? We replied, This Qari is reciting the Holy Quran for us, and we are listening to the Book of Allah. Then the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, That all praise belongs to Allah, who has granted me such people in my Ummah, and that he has instructed me to remain patient with them meaning that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was also commanded to remain patient, just like they were demonstrating patience. The narrator then further states that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then sat down among us, and in order to show that his blessed person was a part of us, he signalled his blessed hand in a circle, meaning that he was also from amongst them, and he sat down with them, and they created a circle around him and turned their attention towards him. The narrator state that in my opinion, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, did not recognize anyone other than me. That is, the narrator states that he was the only one that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, recognized, since there was a large number of people in the gathering. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated, There are glad tidings for this group of poor Muhajirin, for on the day of judgment you shall enter paradise with a perfect spiritual light half a day before the wealthy people and this half of a day is equivalent to 500 years. The Promised Messiah والسلام, also received a revelation in Arabic which has the mention of the Ashab al-Sufa. The revelation in Arabic is as follows. 
اصحاب الصفہ و ما ادرا کا ما اصحاب الصفہ ترا آئینہم تفیض من الدم یسلون علیہ کا ربنا اننا سمعنا منادین ینادی للایمان و دائین الہی و سراج منیرہ That is, do you realize how magnificent in status the Ashab al-Sufa will be? You will see their eyes shedding tears, and they will call down blessings upon you. They will supplicate, O oh, our Lord, we have heard a caller, calling people to the faith, and a summoner to Allah, and a refulgent lamp, so we have believed. This revelation of the promised Messiah والسلام, was regarding some companions, that he will also be granted with similar companions. The Promised Messiah then states that the people of Sufa in the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, were extremely honorable and firm in their faith. Their example of sincerity and devotion is a model for everyone to follow. And Allah the Almighty has also revealed to me that He shall also grant me individuals like them. According to Sahih Bukhari, Hazrat Utba bin Mas'ud radiyallahu ta'ala anhu is counted among the companions who took part in the battle of Badr. Whereas according to other books about the lives of the companions such as Ustul Ghaba fi Ma'rifat al-Sahaba Al-Isaba fi Tamyiz al-Sahaba Al-Asti'ab fi Ma'rifat al-Sahab At-Tabqat al-Kubra etc. It is reported that he participated in the battle of Ahud and not in the battle of Badr. Nonetheless, in Bukhari, it is recorded that Utbah bin Mas'ud anhu was a Badri companion. Hazrat Utbah bin Mas'ud anhu passed away in 23rd Hijrah during the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar anhu, and subsequently. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu led his funeral prayer. Qasim bin Abdul Rahman narrates that Hazrat Umar bin Khab radiallahu ta'ala anhu waited for Hazrat Utbah's mother, Hazrat Umm Abd, in order for her to attend the funeral. Imam Zuhri narrates that with respect to the migration and spending time in the company of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu was not far behind his brother, Hazrat Utbah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. In other words, Hazrat Utbah radiallahu ta'ala anhu accepted Islam before his brother Hazrat Abdullah bin Masood. Abdullah bin Utbah narrated that when his brother Hazrat Utbah bin Masood radiallahu ta'ala anhu passed away, he had tears in his eyes. The people asked him why he was crying, to which he replied that he was my brother, but also my brother in faith. And aside from Hazrat Umar bin Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he was dearest to me. Then in another narration, it is stated that when Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu learned about the demise of his brother, Hazrat Utbah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, tears began to flow from his eyes. And he said, Verily, this mercy is bestowed to us from God Almighty but it is something that man is unable to overcome. In other words, everyone is to pass away, but for virtuous individuals, it becomes a mercy from God Almighty. According to another narration, Hazrat Umar bin Khattab ta'ala anhu would appoint Hazrat Utbah bin Masood ta'ala anhu as the local Amir. The next companion that I will mention is Hazrat Ubad bin Samit radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who was an Ansari companion. Hazrat Ubadah bin Samit radiallahu ta'ala anhu's father's name was Samit bin Qais, and his mother's name was Qurratul Ain bint Ubadah. Hazrat Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu was present during the first and second pledge at Aqba, and he was the leader of the Banu Uf bin Khazraj clan of the Khazraj tribe of the Ansar, who were also known as Qawakila. The reason why they were known as Qokil is because whenever anyone would seek protection of a leader in Medina, then that person seeking protection would be told that they are free to ascend the mountain. In other words, they have nothing to fear and can live there freely. 
In short, they were able to roam about freely and did not need to worry about anything. The people granting freedom become known as Qawakila, and Ibn Hisham states that whenever a leader from among them would grant protection, he would also bestow them an arrow and would say that they are free to go as they please with this arrow. Salba bin Dad, the paternal grandfather of Hazrat Numan, was also known as Qokil, and similarly the leader of the Khazraj tribe, Ghanab bin Of, was known as Qokil, and in the same manner, Hazrat Saab bin Ubadah, also known by the title of Qokil. From among the Khazraj tribe, the clans of Banu Salim, Bani Ghanam, and the Banu Of were all known as Qawakila. Hazrat Ubadah bin Samit anhu, was the leader of the Banu Of tribe. One of Hazrat Ubadah son's name was Walid, who was born to Jamila bint Abu Sasa, and his other son's name was Muhammad, who was born to Hazrat Umm Haram bint Milhan. Hazrat Os bin Samit, anhu, who is another Badri companion, was the brother of Hazrat Ubadah. When Hazrat Abu Marsad Ghanwi migrated to Medina, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, formed a bond of brotherhood, i.e. Muakhat, with him and Hazrat Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu took part in all the battles alongside the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, including the battles of Badr, Uhud and Khandak. Hazrat Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu passed away in Ramla, Palestine in 34 Hijri. And according to some narrations, he passed away in Baitul Maqdas and was subsequently buried there. And his grave is known even today. However, in another narration, it is recorded that he passed away in Qabras after Hazrat Umar anhu had appointed him as the leader of Qabras. And at the time of his demise, Hazrat Ubadah anhu was 72 years old. He was tall and had a large and handsome build. And according to some narrations, it is stated that Hazrat Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu passed away in 45 Hijri during the rule of Amir Muawiyah. However, the earlier narration in which it was mentioned that he passed away in 34 Hijri in Palestine is more authentic as opposed to the narration in which it is stated that he passed away in 45 Hijri. Hazrat Ubadah bin Samid radiallahu ta'ala anhu has recorded 181 narrations of a hadith, among which those narrating the hadith are prominent companions such as Anas bin Malik, Hazrat Jabir bin Abdullah and Hazrat Mikdam bin Madi Kirb, as well as the Tabi'een, i.e. those people who met the companions. Then, according to a narration, Hazrat Ubadah bin Samit ta'ala anhu was present during the Battle of Badr, and during the Night of Akbar, he was also one of the leaders. Hazrat ta'ala anhu would say that a group of companions was near the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, took a pledge from us, stating that you will not associate partners with Allah, nor will you steal, and you will not kill your children and you will not knowingly slander anyone, nor will you disobey a clear instruction. And whosoever from among you fulfills this pledge will receive a reward from Allah the Almighty. But whoever commits any of evil deeds and receives a punishment in this world, then this punishment will atone for that evil deed. And whoever commits an evil deed and God Almighty conceals that deed, then their matter is with Allah the Almighty. And if Allah wishes, He can forgive them, and if He wishes, He can punish them for it. Hazrat Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu states, Thus we pledged allegiance accordingly. And this narration is found in Bukhari. During the migration to Medina, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, led the Friday prayer at the mosque at Quba. And after leading the prayers, 
the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, mounted his camel to go towards Medina. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, kept the reins loose of the camel. The camel then turned its head right and left, as if it was searching for the direction of travel. It stood in one place without moving forwards, and instead kept looking to its left and right. Upon observing this, the people of Banu Salim, i.e. the people among whom the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, led the Friday prayers, including Itban bin Malik, Nofal bin Abdullah bin Malik, and Ubadah bin Samit, they all asked the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to remain amongst them. They said that they were more in numbers and can make adequate arrangements for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, safety. They said that we will honour you and ensure for your safety as there are more Muslims residing here. Then according to another narration, it states, they said that they possess wealth and affluence and people residing there had plentiful resources. In another narration it is stated that they said that please stay with us as we are more in number and also have weapons. In addition to this we have orchards and other essentials to support. In other words, they could provide adequate security measures and were more affluent. They then said that O Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam whenever an Arab is in danger or fears for their life they come and seek protection from us. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, heard all of their requests and recited prayers for them and then said that all what you say is indeed true, but leave my camel be, for it is under the instructions of Allah the Almighty. The camel will stop wherever it pleases and may sit wherever it pleases. And in another narration, the words of the incident are that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that my camel is under divine command, therefore leave it be. It reported that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was smiling and said, May God Almighty shower his blessings upon you for all that you have presented. And the camel then began to move forwards. Then in relation to the conquest of Egypt, the author of Sarus Sahaba states, that during the era of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu's khilafat, it was taking somewhat longer to conquer Egypt, as a result of which Hazrat Amr bin As radiallahu ta'ala anhu wrote to Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu requesting for support. Upon this, Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu sent an additional army of 4,000 soldiers, and Hazrat Ubada radiallahu anhu was appointed as the leader of a thousand soldiers from among them. Moreover, in his reply, Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu wrote, that each one of the leaders of the army was equivalent to a thousand soldiers. When this army reached Egypt, Hazrat Amr bin As gathered the entire armies together and delivered an inspirational speech. He then called for Hazrat Ubada and all his arrow. Hazrat Amr bin As then took off the helmet from his own head and placed it on the arrow and handed it over to Hazrat Ubada and stated that this was the flag of the commander-in-chief of the army. And from henceforth, Hazrat Ubadah was the commander-in-chief. How great is God that in the very first attack that was launched, they were able to conquer the city. After the conquest of Damascus, Hazrat Abu Ubaidah bin al-Jarrah came to Hims, and the people of Hims entered into a treaty with him. Subsequently, he appointed Hazrat Ubadah bin Samit to oversee Hims and move towards Huma. Hazrat Ubadah bin Samit then departed towards Lazqiyah, which is a coastal city of Syria. The people of the city then engaged in a battle with the Muslims, and there was a large door which would only open with the help of a number of people. Hazrat Ubadah took his army away from the city and ordered them to dig such deep trenches in that a person on horseback would be hidden. In other words, it was a long trench. The Muslims put great effort into digging the trenches, and when they were finished from digging, there was still some daylight remaining, and they made out as if they were going back to Hims. However, when night fell, they returned back to the trenches they had dug. The people of Lazakia wrongly assumed that the Muslim army had retreated, and when dawn broke, they opened their door and went out with their cattle. The Muslims appeared all of a sudden, and seeing them, the people of Lazakia became fearful. The Muslims attacked them, and entering the city through the door, they conquered the area. Hazrat Ubadah entered the fort and ascending the wall of the fort, he proclaimed the takbir.
Then from among the Christians that lived in Lazatia, one tribe migrated towards Yasid, and from there they sought protection of their safe return back to their land. Initially they feared for their lives and ran, but later they sought permission to return back to their homes. Thus, having paid the khiraj, i.e. the tax, the land was returned to them on the condition that they would provide a portion of their produce. Therefore, on this condition, the land was returned to them as well as their place of worship, and they were permitted to worship as they pleased. On orders of Hazrat Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the Muslims constructed a mosque, which was extended later, and Hazrat Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, along with the Muslim army, reached a city near the coast named Balda and conquered the city. This was two farsakh, which is equivalent to six miles from the fort of Jabla. Hazrat Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu then conquered many other cities, including Antartus, which is situated on the coast in Syria. And in addition to this, the cities of Lazakiya, Balda and Antartus were all conquered by Hazrat Ubadah bin Samit radiallahu ta'ala anhu. On one occasion, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, appointed Hazrat Ubadah to supervise over the funds of Sadaqat, i.e. charity. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, advised Hazrat Ubadah to always fear Allah the Almighty, lest on the day of judgment he appears in a state laden with a camel which is bleating, or with a cow that is lowing, or a goat bleating. In other words, he was admonished from acting in a dishonest manner, and warned against failing to safeguard the sadhgah. In those days, the charity which was collected was in the form of camels, cows and goats, etc. And thus, Hazrat Ubadah was advised to ensure this charity was properly distributed and carefully looked after. Otherwise, these very animals would appear as a burden upon him on the Day of Judgment. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Ubadah bin Samit stated, that by him who has sent the Holy Prophet be upon him with the truth, I would not even supervise over two individuals, for my condition is such that I cannot bear any kind of burden. Therefore it is better for me not to be appointed. Then during the lifetime of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, the five companions from among the Ansar who collated the Qur'an are Hazrat Maz bin Jabal, Hazrat Ubadah bin Samit, Hazrat Ubay bin Kaab, Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari, and Hazrat Abu Darda radiallahu anhu. After the conquest of Levant, i.e. the region of Syria, Hazrat Yazid bin Sufyan wrote to Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu and informed him that people of this area were in need of a teacher who could teach them the Holy Quran and impart them the knowledge of faith. Subsequently, Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu sent Hazrat Maz and Hazrat Ubadah and Hazrat Abu Darda radiallahu anhum and Hazrat Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu travelled to Palestine and stayed there. Janada relates that when he met Hazrat Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu he found him to be extremely well versed in the religion of God in other words he was a great scholar. When the Muslims conquered the area of Levant Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu sent Hazrat Ubadah Hazrat Maz bin Jabal and Hazrat Abu Darda radiallahu anhum to that region so that they could impart the teachings of the Holy Quran and religion to its people. Hazrat Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu stayed in Hims and Hazrat Abu Darda radiallahu ta'ala anhu stayed in Damascus. Hazrat Maz radiallahu ta'ala anhu traveled to Palestine. After some time, Hazrat Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu also went to Palestine. While there, there was a particular matter which Hazrat Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu disliked. However, Amir Muawiyah opposed him in this. In other words, they had a disagreement over a particular religious matter. During this disagreement, Amir Muawiyah spoke rather strongly to Hazrat Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and as a result he left for Medina, stating that he could not live in the same land as him. When Hazrat Umar ta'ala anhu inquired what it was that caused him to return, Hazrat Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu informed Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu of the whole incident in which they disagreed over a particular matter and that Amir Muawiyah spoke rather strongly to him. In any case, Hazrat Ubadah left as a result of their disagreement. Upon this, Hazrat Umar stated that he should go back, for God Almighty will cause such a land to fall into ruin, which is absent of him or people like him. 
In other words, it was necessary for the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and the learned scholars of faith to be present there. If not, then this would be hugely unfortunate for that land. Thus, it was imperative that he returned. Hazrat Umar also wrote an official letter to Amir Muawiyah, stating that he does not have any right to oppose Hazrat Ubadah in any religious matter, and that he should listen to whatever he says, for it is indeed correct. There are many more details and narrations in relation to Hazrat Ubadah which I will inshallah continue to share in the next Friday's sermon, as they are quite lengthy and require more time. However, I will now mention about the deceased and will also be leading his funeral prayer. The funeral is present here and the funeral is of respected Tahir Arif Sahib who passed away in the UK on 26th August after enduring a very difficult and testing illness. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Surely to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. He was suffering from cancer and endured this illness with great patience and steadfastness. He initially worked as a government official and served at a very high post. However, after his retirement I appointed him as the president of the Fazli Umar Foundation a few years back. Thus, these days he was serving as the president of the Fazli Umar Foundation and rendering his services for the Jamaat. Respected Tahir Arif Sahib was born on 13th February 1952 and his family was originally from Sialkot, however they later moved to Sargodha. And respected Tahir Arif Sahib's father, Maulana Chaudhary Muhammad Yar Arif Sahib, was a missionary of the community and his father had the opportunity to serve the UK as a missionary and also served as the deputy imam of the London Mosque and also as the Naib Vakilu Tabshir in Tehrik Jadid Rabwa. Respected Mulana Muhammad Yar Arif Sahib was an excellent debater and was considered among the top scholars of the Jamaat. And also, respected Muhammad Yar Arif Sahib, along with Hazrat Mulana Abdurrahim Nayyar Sahib, represented the Ahmadiyya community in the annual session of the Muslim League on 23rd March 1940, in which the resolution of Pakistan was passed. And thus, this was a historic moment in which they had the honour to be a part of. Tahir Arif Sahib's mother was respected Inayat Suraya Begum Sahiba and his grandfather was Hazrat Chaudhary Ghulam Hussain Bhatti Sahib who was a companion of the Promised Messiah alayhi salatu was salam. Tahir Arif was a very intellectual person and had a great passion for learning. He was a very experienced writer and also a poet. He authored several books and two books containing a collection of his poems are widely popular. One of them is in the Urdu language and the other in Punjabi. In addition, there are two other notable books. The first is in English on the life of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And the other book is about Pakistan, which is titled Pakistan Manzal ba Manzal. Tahir Arif Sahib attained his Masters in Economics from the Punjab University and also did his LLB as well from there. Thereafter, to further pursue higher studies, he came to the UK and he acquired his LLM from the London School of Economics and by the great God Almighty he had the honour of attaining a mark of honour from the London University. After completing his education in London, Tahir Arif Sahib returned to Pakistan and passed the CSS and began working as a civil servant of Pakistan. And by the grace of Allah the Almighty, he continued to progress in this field and reached the post of Inspector General of the Police. And to attain this position, even after the laws had been enacted against Ahmadis in Pakistan, he testifies to his extraordinary abilities. 
Also, apart from serving in Pakistan's police department, he was also appointed in the FIA, i.e. the Federal Investigation Agency, and in the Immigration Intelligence Bureau. When he was living in the UK in order to seek education, upon the instruction of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih al-Rabih rahimahullah, he also had the opportunity to assist Jodi Rashid Sahib, who authored several books for children in English. Tahir Arif Sahib assisted Jodi Rashid Sahib greatly in this work. By the grace of Allah the Almighty, Tahir Arif Sahib had a great passion to read the books of the Promised Messiah and there would always be a book of the Promised Messiah which he would keep as part of his regular reading. However, he did not merely just read the books, but would also take notes and would then discuss the subject matter with his friends and colleagues. He regularly recited the Holy Quran and would ponder deeply over readings. And although no one from among his relatives had riffed in this, but once during the course of a conversation with him, I found out that he was very regular in waking up for the Tahajjud prayer. Wherever he stayed during the years of his employment in Pakistan, he was always ready and willing to serve the Jamaat. He was an extremely courageous person and as I mentioned that by the grace of Allah the Almighty he was extremely well read in both religious and secular studies and was an extremely intelligent person. He greatly benefited from this knowledge and would share his thoughts in matters related to the Jamaat which would be extremely beneficial. He was a person who possessed very sound opinion and thought. Tahir Arif Sahib had a sense of honour for Khilafat Ahmadiyya and was a very sincere and courageous Ahmadi. And all his life he strived to remain as a Sultan in Nasir, i.e., a great helper of Khilafat Ahmadiyya, and serve the Jamaat with the utmost loyalty. And I have seen that God Almighty, out of his sheer grace, enabled him to succeed in this effort. Tahir Arif Sahib was also my class fellow and I knew him from my days of college and by the grace of Allah the Almighty he had a passion for knowledge even then and was also a very skillful debater and would take part in the debates held in college. I had noticed that even at that time he had a lot of religious knowledge. Another quality of his is worthy of mention is that he had great love and respect for those who served the Jamaat and for the Vakfiz in the ID life devotees. Moreover, he would always be ready and willing to help Ahmadis who had a genuine need. And since he held a very post, therefore he tried to help other Ahmadis who genuinely were in need as much as he possibly could. His services for the Fazli Umar Foundation started in 2014 when I appointed him as his director. After the demise of Chaudhary Hamid Masrullah Khan Sahib in 2017, who was then serving as the president of the Fazli Umar Foundation, I appointed Tahir Arif Sahib as its new president. And as I mentioned, by the grace of Allah the Almighty, he continued to serve in this capacity till his demise. And prior to coming to the UK for his treatment around three to four months ago, until then he continued to fulfill his duties for the Fazli Umar Foundation with great effort. And he would attend all the meetings and take great interest. And during his tenure, a lot of progress was made. Tahir Arif Sahib leaves behind his wife Anisa Tahir Sahiba and son Asfandiyar Arif Sahib and three daughters Tayyiba Arif, Aziza Oj and Bina Tahir Arif Sahib. Two of his daughters are married and one of his daughters and son are not married yet.
his daughter Tayyiba Arif Sahiba writes that God Almighty granted our father enormous worldly bliss. However, he always upheld his identity as an Ahmadi with great courage and honour. He was an extremely honest and trustworthy officer. He always gave precedence to his faith and placed his trust in Allah the Almighty and was extremely humble. A poet, a great writer, a teacher and possessed a deep knowledge of religion. He was a very responsible husband, a loving father and above all he was deeply immersed in the love of Allah the Almighty and his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. She further states that my mother states that she always found him to be extremely just and with a pleasant nature. Whether young, old, rich or poor, he would not draw any distinction between them and nor allow his official position to come in the way and would always afford them with kind treatment. At times, close relatives, owing to their emotions and close bond, expressed similar sentiments. However, I knew him personally and can vouch that indeed these were his traits. Mubarak Siddiqui Sahib then writes that the late respected Tahir Arif Sahib was extremely humble and had a bond of great love and obedience for Khilafat. He was a great poet and writer. He states that I once asked him to recite one of his favorite couplets and he quoted the following couplet reflecting his deep love for Khilafat in which he stated that, O Master, if ever this servant of yours has the opportunity to be near you, may his body transform into the grass that lies beneath your feet. He further states that on one occasion during an informal sitting, I said to him that, Tahir Sahib, God Almighty has blessed every Ahmadi with some kind of honour. You have had the honour of being appointed to a very high post in the police department. But in reply he said, that a far greater honour for me is that I am an Ahmadi. And he then also made reference to the fact that he was my class fellow and said that he was class fellow of the Khalifa of the time, which he said was indeed a great honour for him. His father, respected Mulana Muhammad Yar Arif Sahib, sent him to Rabwa to pursue his education in one of its colleges. And in those days our colleges had become nationalised. Therefore he requested Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih III, rahimahullah, to be permitted to stay in Darul Ziyafat instead of living at the hostels. His father, Mulana Muhammad Yar Arif Sahib, had a great bond with Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih III, rahimahullah, and thus his request was accepted, and so he completed his education while staying at the Darul Ziyafat. During one's student life, one can become quite informal with one another, and also exchanged light-hearted comments amongst each other. However, when Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih IV rahimahullah, appointed me as Nazri Allah, he showed me great respect and courtesy, and after I became Khalifa, his level of sincerity and loyalty increased even greater than before by the grace of Allah the Almighty. May Allah the Almighty grant him his forgiveness and mercy and elevate his station. And may Allah the Almighty also enable his progeny to also remain attached with the Jamaat and the institution of Khilafat whilst displaying perfect loyalty. Many of his relatives and friends have written various accounts about him and they all mention the fact that by the grace of Allah the Almighty he was extremely humble and a scholarly person. On Friday prayers I shall lead his funeral prayer. The funeral is present here. Therefore after the prayers I will inshallah go out and lead his funeral prayer and you are all requested to form the rose for the prayer inside the mosque.